you should get connected. There is a transition. There is a time. There is a lapse. But eventually, you should get connected to a church that you actually become a part of the family. Y'all got that? So let that be your heart this year. If you're just coming around now and you don't know us well, you don't know me well, just hang out. You'll like it down the road more than you like it now. And uh, by the way, Kevin has never done well in boats. So that, that, that wasn't a first. Years ago, we went fishing, and uh, he was in Michael Corsentino's boat. I had some people in my, my boat. Uh, Michael Corsentino wasn't even close to be sanctified yet. And so he had Kevin putting his worm on the line, getting his hook off the bottom, you know, doing everything, cleaning up the boat. And so we pulled up to share fishing stories and how many fish you have. So when I got close to Kevin, Kevin jumped like six foot out of Mike's boat into my boat and said, please take me home. I can't stand it any longer. I said, Kevin, what's the matter? He treats me like some slave. I got to put it where am I got her, her, her. So Kevin just doesn't do good fishing. Amen. Y'all okay this morning? Y'all are very comical. They did a great job. Mandy, we love you. And uh, also, I promise you that we would make Sean's life count. We're going to use his life as a springboard to minister to people that, uh, you know, people need Jesus. People, Sean needed Jesus. Sean, Sean was after Jesus. Sean was always in the mode of, of uh, changing or getting this thing right. And it's a place we all need to be in. Some take a little longer than others. But you always need to be in this mode of transformation and being sanctified by the Lord. Uh, as Kevin and Pastor Kevin and John were speaking, I just saw this in my head. And it's for you first, Mandy. But like I said, everything that the Lord's going to do here today, we're going to work off of Sean's life. I think this is really for you, but there's multitude, not a multitude, but there's people in this room. I know it's for you too, and it's a word from the Lord, and I'm going to just share what I just saw. I saw people standing before a shut door, crying, somewhat frustrated about that door being shut. You're not happy. That door was shut to the life of Sean. You understand? And the Bible says the door that God shuts, no man can open. And there's people in this room, God shut a door in your life and you still wanting to know what's behind that door. I'm just speaking by the Spirit right now. I'm here to tell you there ain't nothing behind the door. That's why he shut it. Now there's memories on this side of the door. There's life an abundant life on this side of the door. But God shuts a door and no man needs to open it because there's nothing behind the door. If you hear this morning and God is speaking to your spirit, I want you to pop up right now because I want to pray for you. Don't deceive yourself. If that's you and God slammed the door, you don't think it's God. You're not happy about the door. 
think it's the end of life. You think somebody's cutting you off. You thinking it's going to handicap you. You thinking it's going to hinder your walk with the Lord. But I'm telling you, God shut the door because there's nothing behind that door. And there'll be another door that he opens. And that door that he opens, no man will able to be shut that door. If I'm speaking to you and you're standing up by faith because you're telling me you're getting a witness in your heart, in your spirit, about this matter. Now I can pray for you. Lord, I thank you that some kind of way, by the power of your spirit, you would take their eyes off of what went behind that door. You would release them from being enslaved to something that's behind that door the past, maybe a dream, a wish, a hope. It's behind that door now. And I'm telling you, your God, my God, is bigger than anything you think is behind that door. He has a future of hope and not evil for you. He has in front of things in front of you that you can't even imagine or even dream or think about yet. Get your eyes off of that closed door and put your eyes on Jesus and watch what he does. He is your door. He's waiting for you to come to him with all that you are, good, bad, and ugly. Just come to Jesus in your heart. You're saved. You're born again. Probably filled with the Holy Spirit. But this is a shift in your life that needs to happen. Don't go back to the door. Don't let your mind run back to the things that you thought could happen and didn't happen. Let it go. And be released into the fullness of what God has for you. Let's give the Lord a hand. I believe that was for you. Let's really give the Lord a hand. Let's really give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I was talking to this young man standing right there right now. The power of God's all over you, man. I'm telling you, you're getting a release into, to, into your tomorrow. He told me he got shot seven times. I think different occasions. He's alive. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad I'm alive. You, you may not have done life all right. <laughs> you may not have been an angel. Or maybe you have been an angel. There's so many near misses we don't know about. There's so many things that could have happened that didn't happen. There's so many things that did happen. And you shouldn't be here. We better praise the Lord. We better be thankful. Huh, Jenna? Did I tell you she was coming? I told her I wouldn't, but I wanted to. I told her if she didn't come, I was going to tell everybody she didn't come. <laughs> Whew, I had to get that out of my spirit. I pray it jolted somebody into their tomorrow.
I believe there were a few people sitting down that didn't get up, but that was for you too. And God loves you because you didn't stand up. He still loves you. Come on, somebody. Hey, Miss Peggy. How you doing? We miss you so much. I got a give me a drink message. Well, let's see what else we got. <laughs> you what? Oh. Give what? I don't even know what you. I feel high. <laughs> I think I just had a drink. <laughs> We could drink for Sean. Everything's on the house. Go get me some. I didn't lose my anointing. I lost a few notes. <laughs> else on? Man, this is, Ray, I can't read that. How you doing, Ray? <laughs> Kevin can't either. Kevin, Kevin, I, I'm not wearing those things. I'm still in denial. <laughs> I'm still in denial. <laughs> I had the similar uh, circumstance as Kevin I did a wedding one day it was at Nottaway and it was candlelight wedding so everything's dim you you can't see and so I'm about to do the wedding and I look at my notes and because I hadn't memorized all these things and uh, I look at my notes and I can't I can't see I can't see I said Sue get them to turn lights on in here he said, they can't. It's candlelight. <laughs> I said, well, find me something, some glasses or something. So she went. She found me some glasses. I got the glasses. Man, I put them on. It's like Kevin. Wow. Wow. Saved by the bell. Saved by Jesus. I can do this thing now. So I put on the glasses, and I start, and I look up, and nobody's there. <laughs> I see people that look like trees. Nothing. And I mean, it threw me off. It so messed up my mind, I started calling the bride the groom and the groom the bride. And, and I mean, it's like, oh, my God, I left that place. Some, some of y'all heard this story. I left that place. I decided to quit the ministry. I felt like it was such a, anybody mess up so bad you don't want to live? I met, it was such a messy thing. I came home. I said, Sue, I quit. I'm going to run to another country. I don't have a call on my life. And I mean, anything ever like jars you like that? And man, you feel like you just blew it. And then your mind keeps thinking. It goes deeper into the mistakes that you made. 
I'm thinking, this was video. <laughs> and they put it in this little silver nice box. And they put it on the fireplace mantle. And they watch it every year. I'm digging a hole, man. I'm like, God, I can't believe I did that. I had the nerve one day. I got the courage to ask the little girl that I married one day. She was in my office. I just, I never wanted to know from them how bad I did. But I got the courage and I asked them one day. I said, how did you like the way I did your wedding? She said, I loved it. I said, do y'all ever look at that video? <laughs> she said, yeah, it was great. It's never as bad as you think it is. It is never that bad. It's bad. <laughs> but it's never that bad. You will live and die. You will go on. You will live and not die. You will, you will saddle up and ride the horse of life again. I'm telling you, somebody needs to hear it this, this morning. The best is yet to come. Come on, somebody. I'm about to get revved up. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach here this morning. Ecclesiastes 3, 1. I'm going to just read. To everything there's a season here in South Louisiana. We have seasons. We have summer, spring, fall, and winter. Okay? You can't fight the seasons. They're coming, they're going. And I sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I don't like winter anymore. Kills all of my pretty plants. And you know, right now, all my plants in my yard, they think it's about springtime. They're all blooming. Azaleas have flowers, new buds. I mean, everything is vibrant, but they don't realize this is still winter. And I'm like, oh, I don't want another cold spell. If it comes, I'm going to cover everything up. I want it to grow. I want it to last. I want it to survive. That's how I feel about everybody in this church. You're going to go through the seasons of your life, and you're going to make it through, and you will continue to prosper, and you will have many pleasures in your life. Come on, somebody. The sea, don't fight the seasons. See when that door closes? That's a season. It's going. Just flow into the next move of the Lord. Just come out of that season. Don't give up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. It's talking about this life under the sun. A time to be born. A time to die. I thought you were going to preach my message. <laughs> you know when you were born? You know the date? And like Sean, this will be a date of remembrance, the day that he died. And so it, it doesn't seem like outside of Christ that death is good. But listen, 
I can't wait to get out of this place. And if Jesus does not come back in my lifetime, death, the jaws of death will come. So I'm going to die healthy. I'm going to die good looking. I'm in denial again. <laughs> some call it faith. Some people just call it denial. <clears throat> but you understand, we remember the day we were born. And we remember the day that people died. But what about that dash between that? So much happens. And it's in, in all of these things that are said by this wise, wise man called Solomon. He was wise. Uh, he was an older man. And basically, he's talking to a new generation. He's experienced. He'd been around a while. And so he's talking to us today. He says it's a time to be born, a, a time to die, a time to plant. I farm, man. It's like, yeah, get the seed in the ground. But then you got this time that goes by. You have to cultivate the stuff. You have to plow the ground again. You have to spray herbicides, fertilizers, all a lot of things have got to happen before the harvest comes. And so all through this, it's talking about this point and that point, very little about in between. It's a time to plant, it's time to pluck up, it's a time to kill, and it's just time to heal. We built our house in a subdivision of 66 acres. There wasn't a tree there, it was a soybean field. So when we moved our house and rebuilt it there, I'm a forester, so I started planting trees, little bitty trees, because I could foresee an arboretum in my yard, in my mother's yard, the lot next door, years down the road. I could see it. And so we planted the trees, and we'd take care of them through the years, and couldn't wait till the first squirrel would come. I mean, it takes a while to get a tree big enough and bear fruit that squirrels would actually come to a place that at one time a squirrel would not live in a soybean field. So the day the squirrels came, we like, wow. Look, a brown one, a gray one. And this, the squirrels came, and the squirrels came, and the squirrels came. And the squirrels came, and the squirrels started eating up my trees and girdling the tree. And the squirrels came, started gnawing at the electrical lines. And the squirrels started eating through my PVC water pipe. And the squirrels started chewing on aluminum on my tree out. And the squirrels came. And it was time we had to heal the land. <laughs> So we had to kill. I know that doesn't sound right, but we had to kill. A time to break down, a time to build up. I know this is, in, is not in context with that. Anybody ever get a breakdown? <laughs> You're to the point. It's like breaking point. I can't take it no more. Well, you're still here by the grace of God. Because someone came along and had something you didn't have and they built you up 
and they they encourage you. I had a word for little Jen Wednesday night. I must have said it 30 times. Seeds of encouragement. 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 People are coming your way. I'm speaking to Herbert. I'm speaking to you now. People will come your way, and you will be a seed of encouragement in their life. There's people in this room. If you're not obedient, their life will continue to go the wrong way. There's people in this, in this room. You're going to rise up in the word that's on the inside of you, and you're going to speak life. And because you speak life, people are going to live and not die. People will stay in their marriage and not get out and not get divorced because you are seeds of encouragement. You will speak the truth, and the truth will set people free. They'll live longer and discover things in life. Had not you come along, they would have died prematurely. You are important to the Lord. You are important to this church. You are called by the Lord. Come on, somebody. It's time to weep. It's time to laugh. <laughs> Weeped a little bit. We're laughing. We're laughing. Amazing the strength I have seen in you. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm the preacher. I'm the, how you do that? I'm like, man, are you sure you're okay? <laughs> it's like I'm waiting for her to just fold up and give up and quit. You're doing good. We're proud of you. Time, time to weep. Time to, you know, there's a time to mourn. There's a time of grief. You know, grief is really the fruit of love. Because I, I do this is not a funeral service. This is a celebration service. But I do a lot of funerals, and I love to do funerals. I mean, I'm like, I love to do funerals. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> I'm the guy they call when the people don't have a pastor or a church. Call Butch. He'll come. I go. And you go in these places, the funeral homes, And people are thinking, what was that? What was that? You know, when, you know last, last Sunday was an amazing meeting here. There's a lot of people got touched in this church. And what triggered it was you. What triggered it was Sean. Because somebody died that we love. And you're not going to grieve for someone you don't know. I pass the funeral home all the time. A lot of cars, I just pass them like. <laughs> I mean, I, don't look at me. You do the same thing. You wonder who's there, but you're not crying. You're not grieving because you don't know the person or maybe you don't love the person. But when somebody goes to be with the Lord, someone is no longer with us anymore that we were really close to, it's part of our life. It's part of our family. So we grieve. And so the result of true love when it leaves, you grieve. But it's only for a time. It's only for a period. Uh, I, I'm going to write the book one day. I just had never got to it yet. Good grief. <laughs> yes, Kyle, you gave me those two words. <laughs> It's time to mourn, it's time to dance. You're not going to dance if you're grieving. 
It's time to cast away stones. It's time to gather stones. It's time to embrace. It's time to refrain from embracing. Man, I love my kids, but they all got married. I couldn't hold them forever. I had to release them. I had to let them go. Y'all see this? And it's almost like you get the best part of life and the worst part of life, and then he ain't even talking about everything else in between. It's time to gain, and it's time to lose. We could preach about that. I've lost more weight than anybody here so far. <laughs> I got the mic. but it will be a time to gain again. <laughs> you know why we gain weight? We, re we reward ourselves when we lose weight. I mean, we like give ourselves a happy pie. <laughs> it's time to keep and it's time to throw away. Oh, my God, let's don't even go there. I mean, I, I, I am like, I love old stuff. I collect. I mean, don't fool with my junk. I'm a junk opportunist. You will find me in a dumpster somewhere down in New Orleans, back in the hood. I mean, I am, I'm looking for treasures in, in, in wasteful places. And then I bring it all to my house. And then one day I get up and I'm like, and I just start giving it away. And people start coming around when they feel that spirit of giving has gotten on me. I'm here, Pastor. I'm here. What about that, Pastor? I'm just playing a little bit. It's time to throw away, a time to tear, tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silent. Got a little amen up here. And a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate. love people, we get close to people, and then we hate what happens to them. We don't hate people, but we hate what happens to them. You know, when Sean died, I got, I got on the phone, I started texting, I started messaging, I started telling people, I'm tired of doing funerals. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people prematurely dying. Prophet has a worker from that in which he labors. I have seen God given tasks with which the sons of men are to be occupied with. In other words, we all in this space between these two things, these two things, living, dying, sowing, reaping. We living between this. This is this is how we occupy our time on this earth. But the Bible says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Not everything's beautiful, but he makes everything beautiful. I think the scripture for that verse is that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. So if you love the Lord with all of your heart, and if you're walking in what he's calling you to be, 
and you're walking in this phase of being transformed, I'm telling you, it may stink. It may be ugly as ashes right now, but you will see the beauty of the Lord eventually show up in your life. Look around. Everybody in here before you were born again, you were ugly as ashes. I don't care how you put the makeup on. I don't care what you said. You were ugly. Sinfully ugly. But look what the Lord has done. Come on. You can go back and look at one of your driver's license pictures. And you can see the sin that you were in. Looks like a mug shot. Because you were in darkness. You were, you were not in the Lord. And then you can come back years later. Even though you've aged, you look better. It's called beauty for ashes. That's what my Jesus does. Come on, Jesus. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts. Eternity in our hearts. This is, this is how you know eternity is in your heart. And it's in every human being. Born again, not born again. Because you know there's something better beyond this life. You're born, people die. Catastrophes. You know, pe things happen. People on drugs. You going through trials and tribulations. And, and you just know it's not supposed to be like this. That's eternity in your heart. It's not supposed to be like that, but it is. But something inside of you gives you hope. Something inside of you gets you up every morning. You know, the Bible even talks about in Romans that, you know, all of creation fall, fell under uh, the fall of man, the fall of Adam. And because of that, everything is tilted. Everything is out of order. It's why bad things happen to good people. It's why we have hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and evil people. It's why, because Adam fell. And we all living in the middle of this. Come on, somebody. But we know on the inside, it's not supposed to be like this. That's eternity in your heart. And God doesn't create all of this. The sin of man, the fall of man, there's a real enemy. That's why all of this happens. And you might say God's in control. Well, he is, but we have a lot to do with the outcomes of our life. We have to be obedient to his will. So we're going through this stuff. Anybody going through some stuff? But you end up in a service like this. Why? Because there's eternity in your heart. Through all of this stuff that's going on in the world, we know it's not supposed to be like this. And you know what this not supposed to be like this does to us? It causes us to seek the Lord. It causes us to, to find Him and know Him. Bible says if you seek him, you'll find him. You ask, you receive from him. You knock, the doors will be open. So you understand, if you have a heart for God, all things will work together for good. 
because all of this stuff is just driving you closer and closer and closer and closer to the Lord. Somebody needs to hear this right now. Your soul will never be satisfied till you see Jesus. We get a glimpse of him in this life. He's living in our hearts. We read his word. We know him by the spirit. But it's never enough. We like drug addicts. I mean, it's like, I've got a little bit of you, Lord, but I need more. And your soul will never have rest until you rest in him. In other words, he becomes everything in your life. He has made everything beautiful in time. Y'all have heard about the little sand in the clam or the oyster? It's not true. <laughs> it's not a particle of sand. A mussel, a clam, an oyster, a parasite gets in that little bottom dweller. And the parasite becomes an irritant to this little organism. And what he starts to do, and there's something in his makeup that some, he has a mechanism that just kicks in for his defense to begin to fight off this parasite. A parasite is something that lives off of something living. And so for years, this little clam or this little oyster excretes this or secretes this, this coating on that parasite because the parasite is an irritant. So for seven years, a wild pearl, a wild, you know, is developed in the wild. For seven years, this little organism secretes or secretes this, this layer of coating to protect itself that it can stay alive. And eventually, it actually covers, kills the parasite. And what was meant to destroy this clam or this oyster, something is developed and becomes a treasure to all of mankind, mostly ladies. And so the clam, the oyster, it fulfilled its purpose in creating a pearl. Isn't that cool? And then the human comes along, finds the oyster, breaks it open, and just steals the treasure from that creature, and it dies. Sounds like life, huh? Everyone's looking for a treasure. Jesus is the treasure. You don't have to hurt anybody. You don't have to look for, for Jesus is the treasure. He put eternity in our hearts. You know, our whole makeup in life is about clocks, dates, schedules, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, and it's all to achieve some temporal goal. A temporal goal. We spend and we plan and we strategize and we're working to achieve some temporal goal. I would like this morning for you to have a paradigm shift 
that you would quit working towards the temp temporal things and work out of eternity. That's what Solomon's trying to do. He wants us to think eternal. That's why these type services and funerals go so well. Because when someone is died, everybody is thinking eternal. Everybody is thinking what's next. Everybody, you understand this. If you had one day to live, that's it, one day to live, what would you do? I can tell you what, LSU wouldn't be on your agenda. Nothing against LSU, I went there. But you understand our perspective would change. So what we need to do, we need to live out of an eternal perception. That's what Jesus did. See, he left heaven and he came to this mess hole <laughs> to rescue us. I mean, you're talking earth, heaven. There's a big difference. And he did it all right. And all he did was what his father showed him to do. And all he said is what his father told him to say. He, he was totally connected. Listen, when you get an eternal perspective, all of a sudden you connect heaven with earth. All of a sudden you get connected with heaven. And then what's done in heaven will be done on earth through you and through your activities. Come on, somebody. We don't even live a whole century. That's how unimportant we are to this world. <laughs> now, in Christ, we're very important to the Father and to what we need to do. But not, listen, if I live 30, when I live 35 more years, I'm going to be 100 years old. I'm going to look good. I'm still in denial. <laughs> but you understand, we need to plan out of an eternal perspective. This life is only a slither of the slice of time, of eternity. See, we live in time. God doesn't live in time. God doesn't have a watch. He is the watch. God doesn't have a calendar. He is the calendar. <laughs> God doesn't have a day. He's the ancient of days. We live in this time zone, which is so temporal. But what we do here will determine our eternity. And so we need to be thinking about that. I've told people in this church for so long, every major decision I make, I make it out of my rocking chair at 90 years old. How is it going to affect me and everybody else? This decision today, and I'm 90 years old down the road, how did that decision work for me? And how did that decision work for my family and my church? Was it what God wanted? I see myself rocking. I want to be confident I did the right thing in ministry, as a father, as a husband, in God's eyes. Come on, so y'all getting quiet on me. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly eternal way to glory. Let me tell you about light affliction. If you do it all wrong, 
yourself afflict yourself. If you do it all right and get successful, that's a weight too. <laughs> everything in life eventually becomes a weight. A straw. Everything. The bad, the good, the ugly. Come on, somebody. Anybody in business? And you never thought you would be in business? Now you're in business, you're successful, and you got to deal with a bunch of crazy employees. I didn't have no money. Now I got so much money I don't know what to do with. It's always a weight. It's always going to be a problem in some area of your life. That's why we need to trust Jesus. I'm going to end right here. There's three critical aspects of life you must consider. The first one, the frailty of life. You never know. Sean didn't know. Every second, 1.8 people die. Every five seconds, nine people die. One, two, three, four, five. Nine people just died. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nine more people just died. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. We can go on and on. I hope to have a two-hour service here. Fourteen hundred and forty people would have died might say, that doesn't affect me. It could. Think about it. The people that are no longer with us. Man, I'm thinking sixth grade, somebody's gone. Seventh grade, somebody else died. High school, something happened. He died, she died. College, bam, gone, gone, gone. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, I don't want to even understand it. People just disappear. Didn't even see it coming. But yet there's still a God, a loving God. But this life is fragile. You need to think about that. I mean, there's been so many near misses in my life. I remember hitting a nail that long with a ball. Bam. Bam. And when I hit it the second time, it came out of the wood, spun around, and that nail hit me right in my retina. I, did, I was afraid to open my eye. I remember being under a truck changing out a, a filter, a gas filter. I didn't know it had pressure on it. Both eyes were open. The gas just flooded my eyes, and they were burning. I didn't even know if I opened my eyes, would I ever see again. And just things have happened in life, and there's a lot of what-ifs in life. That's why I gave my life to Jesus. Way too many what-ifs in life. <laughs> I said, Lord, I ain't running this thing good. If it's left to me, left up to me, I will self-destruct. I will do the wrong thing. I will be in the wrong place with the wrong person. Lord, would you help me? Would you save me from myself? You know, when the Lord opened up my eyes, I saw him differently. He loves me. He's forgiven me. And then I saw myself differently. I'm forgiven. I have a purpose. 
I have a call on my life. And then I begin to see people different. I had no more enemies. I had no more unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart because I could see people correctly. Without Jesus, they'll hurt you. With Jesus, they'll hurt you. Just, just people that are struggling in life. Anybody listening to what I'm saying? Number one, the frailty of life. Number two, family. Family's important, right? You go home, Sean's not there. You know, I was at my house last night by myself. Susan went to stay with her mother. I never told you this, but sometimes I go in your closet and I see your shoes. I see your little tennis shoes. And I think, what if I could never see my wife in her little tennis shoes anymore? What if that's all I have left? It changes your perspective. You become a little more gentle. Impatience leaves. Anger and frustration just, man, you know what? I can't keep doing this. It produces nothing right in my life. Family. When I do a funeral, I go to that funeral home and I'm looking for the one, two, three people that the family has rejected. But they came to the funeral because they had some love for that person. But there's bickering, there's fighting, there's strife, there's jealousy, and you can just spot them because you can see the family ostracizing that person. That's the first person I go to. I finish preaching, I'll find those people. I'll look for the underdog. I go to these nice places to preach, and everybody's dressed good, and everybody looks good, and everybody's saying the right thing, and you see the janitor working, doing the service. That's who's one I go to. The Bible says what you do to the least, you do to me. That's what Jesus said. And sometimes there's a least person in your family. And you may be a part of their help. So don't write them off. Jesus could always cross bloodlines. You ever hear them saying, there's bad blood there? Well, there was bad blood in that Samaritan woman, but the well sat at the well and was doing well, so she got well, dropped her pot, and went tell the whole city about, this man has told me everything I've done. There was a thief on the cross, and he said, remember me, Jesus. And he said, you will be with me in paradise. He was talking about eternal things. Peter, James, and John met in the upper room, got empowered by God, by the Holy Ghost. And they came out, and there was a man by the gate beautiful, and he was not beautiful. He had been paralyzed for 40 years, and his friends and family would put him at the gate, and he'd beg for money. And the disciples would pass him. People would pass him. They'd go into the temple, but he wasn't allowed in the temple. And one day, Peter came from the upper room. The Lord had met him and he met the Lord by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he came out in his regular routine and all of a sudden he recognized and saw the man in a different way. How many of y'all know the Lord can open up your eyes to things you never saw before? And he saw the man and he said, fix your eyes on me. And the man did. And he said, I, I don't have any silver or gold or any money, but what I have, I give you freely. 
and he grabbed the man and the man stood up. And then Peter took him into the place he wasn't supposed to go in and he started preaching the gospel. And he started telling everyone that crucified Jesus or had something to do with it. You crucified the Holy One, but my God raised him from the dead. He was talking about eternity. See, Jesus came so we can know there is an eternal place that we're going. And he worked out of eternity on the earth. So the gospel talks about eternal things. It stirs people up. It gets people to start to think about, what am I doing in this life? What is my purpose in this life? I need to change. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. Bow your heads. Maybe you're here today. Third thing is your future. You need to rethink your future. Some of us need to clean up our mess, bury our shame and our guilt and our condemnation. Begin to seek the Lord. Whatever's going on in your life, what happened or didn't happen, God has a purpose for it. That's for you to seek it. He didn't cause it. He didn't orchestrate it. It's a mess. It's hard. It's a challenge. But he wants you to use that to seek him. Seek him this morning. Come to him this morning. If you're in this place today, died today God forbid but if something happened you didn't plan your time was up would you be with Jesus do you know him good enough now to be with him then are your sins forgiven have this desire inside of you today to change. Get it right. If you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. You need to prepare your heart today. All of us. All of us not born again, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, if you're not right with Jesus, if you got things in your life, you know it could be detrimental. You know it doesn't please the Lord. Why every head is bowed. Every heart is before the Lord. Just raise your hand. Don't deceive yourself. Be honest. Let's get right this morning. Anybody, anybody in here, not right with the Lord. Not right with the Lord. I see you. Anybody else? Come on, be brave. Be, be, I see you. Who else? Anybody else? Come on. The Lord's speaking to you. Don't deny his voice. Don't push him away. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Come on, don't push the Lord away. Don't push the Lord away. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you for being honest with the Lord because he knows your heart. So now he knows you need him and you want him. So pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, come into my life. I repent of my wrongdoing. I repent of my sin. 
I want out of all darkness. I need you more than ever. I repent. I lay my life down. I give myself to you. I believe, Jesus, you rose from the dead for me to live in you. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior today. Change me. Change me. Grace me. Show your mercy. Fix me. Repair me. Heaven has heard some hearts in this place. It's time to seek the Lord. So now you're in the kingdom, but now we need to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives. This is your future, is to serve the Lord. And he has promised us in Job 36 that he will open our ears to hear his voice, that we can turn from the iniquity in our heart. Then we can obey his voice and we can serve him and our days will be many and our years will be full of pleasures. So, Lord, I pronounce and decree and proclaim a blessing over the people in this church that they will have such an enjoyable future, yet challenging. But, God, they will walk this walk and they will run the race that's set before them. They will not look back. They'll forget about the things behind them and they will set their eyes on those things that you put before them. Lord, ears will hear, eyes will see, and hearts will understand what you have already prepared for those in this place that you love. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, Mandy. We appreciate the family coming. If anybody needs special prayer, specific prayer. It doesn't matter what it is. We will pray for it. If your toilet seat squeaks, we will pray. I'm telling you, we have faith. It does Whatever's not in line, whatever needs mending, just come up here and we'll pray for it. Other than that, you are dismissed. Now listen, Mandy has invited friends and family next door. We have seats for about 30 people. And so I would like our church to respect that. If you have not been invited, it's because you were not invited. <laughs> and so those that Mandy has specifically uh, said, please come, uh, we will meet you in the building next door. Thank you for coming today.